When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Friday's edition of Cork Today, the final one of the week. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls, 1850-333-103. And let me start by thanking uh, John Paul for jumping in for me yesterday. I actually came to work yesterday morning, was prepping and getting ready for the day ahead when, unfortunately, got a phone call to say that Marsha, who had gone to, I dropped her off at her day placement to say she'd spiked a temperature. So you can imagine that panic that ensued into the car rushed over to collect her. Now by the time I got to collect her the temperature had gone, completely disappeared, she was fine and they had said if I wanted to leave her I could but then the fear was what happened if the temperature went back up again at 11 and I was on air so I said no, John Paul at that stage was sitting in ready to take over the microphone so I took her home, turned out she was absolutely fine. I don't know what even caused her temperature to spike. Uh, she was perfect. She had a bit of a chill out day. I've kind of left her at home again today just to be sure, to be sure. But there's been no temperature since. She's eating uh, well. She hasn't been uh, sick in any way. But it's just that sense of panic when you get the phone call to say a temperature had, you know, somebody has spiked a temperature. And obviously the gang at St. Joseph's Foundation, she's in the she's in a hub in the Gilbert Centre in Mallow, did everything that they, you know, had to do. She'd be put into an isolation room. Room. Uh, Mary, who went in with her, went into the isolation room, fully PPE geared and gowned up. And it was from the isolation area where I collected Marsha from yesterday. But, you know, it, it struck me as I was driving home and I realised there was absolutely nothing wrong with her, thank God. So I didn't have the worry of, oh my God, what if this is COVID-19 or what if she is sickening for something? But it just struck me the amount of parents who, that must be getting phone calls like that from schools are from creches and we, particularly with the creches, you know the way children's temperatures spike. But I take it the protocol is as soon as the temperature goes up, that's it. Parents are called, you're in, you collect your child and you're home. It is really going to disrupt people's working schedules as well outside of that fear factor you get when you get that phone call to say your child's temperature has spiked. Whereas this time last year, if a child's temperature spiked, it might have been would you give him some Nurofen, give him some Panadol, see if the temperature comes down. 
sure it might be nothing but now of course we're living in a very very different world and we're living in the world of the deadly COVID-19 and we're living in a world in this country where the virus is spiralling out of control and spreading so fast that they now reckon up to two and a half thousand people a day will be testing positive for COVID-19 by the end of this month and where we at the 16th of October so in about two weeks time if it keeps going the way it's going, that's where we're going to be. Two and a half thousand people every single day. The escalating crisis was signalled by our chief medical officer, Dr. Tony Houlihan. He now said he's gravely concerned at the rise as three more patients sadly passed away yesterday. And we hit a new record, the single highest number in a day since the pandemic began yesterday with the numbers testing positive 1,205 people yesterday getting the news to tell them that they are COVID positive. There is now growing alarm about the rising number of patients with the virus being admitted to hospital, several of which are now hospitals cancelling procedures and they're resorting to surge capacity just to cope in the hospitals. Hospitals up to yesterday treating 241 patients for the virus Is that up or down? Up 24 people since the day before and 29 are seriously ill. There's 29 people inside in intensive care. Many people are behaving with abandon and then the majority are trying to follow the rules. But Tony Houlihan says meeting too many others from outside the household, that's what's giving the virus multiple chances to spread. It is now worse. Situation now is worse than when it was when Dr Houlihan and Neffert called for the country to be put into level five, which, of course, we know is the most serious form of the lockdown, which is just coming up to two weeks ago. It will be two weeks ago this weekend that the rumours went around that Neffert was suggesting level five. The virus is on the march across the country and the situation has really worsened in the past seven days. Tony Houlihan said it is clear that the disease is not under control. Yesterday, of course, was the start of Donegal, Cavan and Monaghan entering into level four restrictions. Well, it was some midnight last night, wasn't it? And of course, the rest of the country, we are remaining in level three, but level three in a bit because we have this additional instruction not to allow any non-essential visitors into our homes. Dr. Houlihan said things have accelerated even beyond what they had predict- predicted a week or two weeks ago. He now says it's a matter of grave concern. He sing- singled out more socialising what he says a creep back into the workplace playdates and parties he says that's all they're all some of the reasons for contributing to the spread the 14 day incident rate in those aged 65 and older that's increased that's a worry they're the ones that are likely to be get to become the sickest, they are the ones likeliest to end up in hospital or God forbid to end up in intensive care. The reproductive number appears to have increased. They reckon now nationally it's around 1.4 but it seems to be rising with each day. Uh, looking back two to four weeks, there has been a fourfold increase in the virus fourfold increase. The positivity rate for tests is now at 6.2. That's three times higher than what we were reporting three weeks ago. And no county 
anywhere in the country now has an acceptable level of the virus. Cases notified over the past week have risen by 82%. This day last week, when we were looking at the seven-day figure for the previous week, it was 3,000 514. That number has jumped to 6,382. Cavan has the highest rate of 14-day incidents. That's followed by Donegal and then followed by Meath and then other counties with high rates are Monaghan, Clare, Sligo, us here in Cork, Westmeath, Limerick and Galway. Dr Tony Houlihan said the level of community transmission, this is where the source of the infection cannot be found. That means the virus can't be identified in large numbers of people. And then yesterday also the HSE Chief Paul Reid said one in four of those admitted to hospital since the end of September were under 35 years of age and I think he's trying to get that statistic out to people to try to say that while we know in the main if older people get COVID-19 they have a higher risk of ending up in hospital, of ending up in ICU and bless their hearts they have a higher risk of dying from it but they're trying to get the message out that younger people it's a roll of the dice you just don't know how this vicious, vicious disease is going to affect you. You could be fine. You might only have what appears to be a slight cold. You might get away with absolutely no symptoms at all. Or you could be one of those people who, as we speak, have ended up in a hospital. 27%, this is looking at the hospital figures, so one in, so about 25% were under the age of 35. 27% were in the 35 to 64 age bracket. And then 47% of people who ended up in hospital were over the age of uh, 65. And yesterday's NEFID briefing heard that the HSC now has serious concerns about one nursing home at the centre of an outbreak and they are providing support. I just hope and pray that that isn't one of our own local nursing homes. There are 25 other nursing homes in what they are calling the Amber category. And the Amber uh, category is where there has been more than one, more than the amber category is where they're, they have serious concerns um, but where they're receiving enhanced support uh, which is um, up from there's 25 of those in the amber category which was up from 16 where it was a month ago. So they are the areas where they're saying, look, we need to really look at these particular nursing homes and give them the supports that they need. So at least support is being given to those homes, which is very different to say what happened back in March when God, we know we lost so many elderly people in uh, nursing homes. Looking for your thoughts, by the way, on the GAA championships. And there seems to be a bit of a divide over whether the GAA, the county championships, should go ahead or not. Now, Pat Spillane has, has come out on this. He believes that the, the GAA Championships is the escape that we all need to get away from the doom and gloom. And there, there, we all know this is this doom and gloom. And when we look at figures like that, you think, oh, do what, what do we need? Do we need a bit of escapism? There was a time when we'd be able to dream and think about going away on holidays. All that has been taken away from us. People are now starting to worry about Christmas. Will you have your family around the table at Christmas? So do we need something to lift the nation's spirits? And would the GAA Championships, would, 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 would it do that? Would it lift the nation? Would it take us all away from the doom and gloom? I mean, Pat Spillane says that he's really looking forward to it. He just can't wait. Now, he did say it is going to be a very different championship. It isn't going, it's going to be our new normal and it certainly will be our new normal because if everything goes according to plan, the All-Ireland Football Final will be held 
on December the 19th under lights in Croke Park. <laughs> That's certainly very, very different. The Kerry legend was clear on what is needed now. He says, I think the country needs a championship. The country needs sports. And he added that the 10 week season will be a helter skelter and it will. And you have to hope and pray that no team gets an outbreak of COVID-19 or that anybody comes down with the virus. And the government, though, this is came from Leo Varadkar yesterday. The government, according to Leo Varadkar, would pull the plug on the GAA championship. That's in the event if we moved into full lockdown. Now, last week, Neffert's recommendation was that the inter-county championship would be exempt from level five. But Leo Varadkar was pushed on that yesterday and he said the shutters would come down on the event. He said if we moved into level five, he said no, it would be gone. He, the Thornish also claimed the government had no issue with the resumption of the Alliance Leagues this weekend. He said, I do think it's feasible. He said, it's difficult for the GAA in particular because they're amateur athletes and they can't be cocooned in the way that the Premiership footballers are, are indeed the way our provincial rugby players are. But he says it can be done and it obviously has to be done and it has to be done without any spectators. But he, he did, he's clearly come out and said, if we do move into uh, level five, then the championships is gone. So we're asking that question uh, today. Whose side are you on there? Are you with Pat Spillane saying this is exactly what we need? We need these championships to go ahead. We needed to lift the nation and to give us all a boost and to, to get us away from the doom and the gloom. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are both taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103-103. And we're looking for your thoughts on the GAA Championship and should it go ahead. Pat Spillane was one of the first out of the traps uh, saying that this is the escape that the country needs. We need to get away from the doom and gloom. And I can see some of your thoughts coming in. Not everyone's in favour of it. People are worried about COVID-19 and all of that. But Roy is listening to us in the city and he's contacted us this morning. Good morning to you, Roy. Good morning, Patricia. Roy, you are, you are 100% in favour of the championships going ahead. I, I certainly am. Why? Well, because it is the only outlet I have, I have at, at, at the moment. And most elderly people go to most of the matches. And if, if they can play the soccer matches and rugby matches and international soccer matches, I can't see why they can't continue on with all... Native games. So and you're TV. looking you you're looking forward to watching it on TV. I am indeed, but I much prefer to be sitting down inside looking at it. Say that I, again. I, I I much prefer to be inside the stadium. <laughs> and at a safe distance, of course, you you barely keep it all. Yeah. Uh, you, you can attend fifty fifty thousand people. Oh, surely we got they could allow five thousand then. And spread everybody out. And spread everyone out. You can take take, take Crop Park, nearly 3,000. Surely be the heavens that could leave 50,000 people in there. I know the, the problem of gathering outside and having a chat, but that can be sorted out as well if, if, it, was, if it was well stewarded. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, the local championship here in, in, in the city went very well, apart from one or two celebrations, all right, they went out of hand. But the ordinary matches, there's no finals. This is the start of the, the league now. So they'd be, they be no gathering in a hug and all. And anyway, the GA players don't do that. And do you, do you, 
in normal times you would be go, you'd go to as many matches as you could, would you, I'd Roy? Go to every match up and down the country, which <laughs> no matter where it is. So, never had any problem getting tickets or anything, no. Only for the All Ireland final, but I usually pick up one. Do you? So you really miss that this year? I definitely do. I miss it. I definitely miss it. So you're holding out that at least you'll get you'll get to see it in some way on the TV. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, and you know, it's it's, it's a great outlet for the for, for the elderly as well because I I can see them in in, in Parky, uh, Parky Ring as well. The other of a Sunday, other Saturday afternoon. And they, they they look they just look forward to just go out and having, having a chat and maybe some of them have may have a point after it, but there's no harm in that either. No, no, there isn't indeed. Okay, listen, you look after yourself, Roy. I know two positions. Thanks, and, a and, and yeah, I, 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 your show is brilliant. Yeah, oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Thanks a Bye. million. God bless. Son. God bless. Bye bye. Uh, it's Roy in the city. So yeah, I think Roy makes a valid point. There are a cohort of people like Roy doing everything right, abiding by all the rules, and he would be exactly in the category that Pat Spillane is talking about, just to give somebody a little bit of a lift and to get people away from the doom and. And gloom. Uh, John is in Bantry. Says at the moment you can have you can meet up with six people outdoors as long as they come from only two households. So, uh, but fifteen people can drink outside in a pub. So, how can you have and you can have thirty players on a field all touching the same ball? We can do without sport this year, says uh, John. There's somebody not in favour of the championships going ahead. Pat Infamoy says the GAA isn't the problem as such and they know that it's what happens outside the gates. As a result, I would ban all GAA and it's the only way to get uh, to stop the spread of COVID-19. Kieran says I think all games should be cancelled. How can everyone social distance when playing a GAA game? If it goes ahead, it will be a shame. And what came in on uh, texts to us, championship would be nice, but we certainly don't need it, says somebody else. And another texter says, are the Kerry team feeling okay to be travelling all over the county to play football when we are not supposed to go outside of our county? The GAA are disgraced. No social distancing in any photograph. I see how stupid can people uh, be. And we'd all love to be back in the old days of matches and going out for dinner. But with COVID, we simply can't, says another texter. Okay, so a lot of people not happy with the idea of the championship going ahead and can I give you this came in on WhatsApp this is to do with the ban on people coming into people's homes we're all being asked not to allow anybody into our homes Hi Patricia I feel the need to contact you regarding the new restrictions where people are advised not to visit other households indoors or even in their gardens I think the powers that be need to get their act together and instead of putting these restrictions in place they need to open their eyes and see what's happening in every town in every village and in every city in Ireland for instance in my own town we have a wet pub it's open well the so-called beer garden is open which 
really is just a glorified side entrance. You can see the people drinking away in the inverted commas beer garden. No social distancing going on whatsoever. And then you see the clientele over and back to the local betting shop across the road. None of them wearing masks, by the way, going in and out of the betting shops. Then they come back into the beer garden. No social distancing going on at all. Up the street, there's another betting shop. It's the very same story and you'll have a gang of them congregating around the door, shoulder to shoulder. The government are allowing all of these premises to remain open. I wonder why. Could it be that it's generating revenue for the government? But meantime, they are now again targeting people in their own homes. And a lot of these people are already adhering to all of the public health guidelines and have been doing so since last March. Why? Because they're so frightened. It's a crazy situation. The government are telling me that I can't go to visit my elderly mother. But on the other hand, if I want to sit in a beer garden, I can do it with 14 other people from all different households. How does that make sense? Plus, Simon Harris said yesterday evening you can have an electrician, a plumber or a painter into your house doing work. And yet it's not safe to have a family member visit. I'm just wondering what other people's thoughts are on what I see as a crazy, crazy situation. And that listener to WhatsApp just signed it. A very confused listener. 1850 While Michael says, Patricia, hi. It is in our gift we owe it to our family, our friends and our neighbours to take our own personal responsibility. We should redouble our efforts, avoid social gatherings in other people's homes, no house parties. Remember, wash your hands, social distancing and wear a good quality mask. And can I add in, wear it correctly. Anyway, back to Michael's text. We have flattened the curve before and we can do it again. A lockdown will not eliminate the virus. A lockdown would be a major disaster for everyone. Thanking you, says Michael. So it's up to all of us to double down on our efforts. And thank you. I can see a number of people wishing Marcia well when they heard that she had spiked the temperature yesterday. And thank you. Some really kind uh, texts coming in. Very much appreciated. 1850-333-103. Lines are open. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. The Society of St. Vincent Paul is warning parents not to entertain house calls from money lenders after working with families struggling to repay loans at exorbitant interest rates. Jerry Garvey is the Southwest Regional Coordinator with the Society of St Vincent Paul and Jerry joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Jerry. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Do these money lenders make very tempting offers to people, Jerry? Well, our experience uh, hearing from clients who, who use money lenders is that they do make very tempting offers and usually at a time when people are, are quite vulnerable, particularly this time of year in the run of Christmas where people are concerned about the normal bills, but they're also concerned about how they're going to be able to get those special toys and gifts for their kids who mean so much to them. And will these guys and gals almost rely on local knowledge and they'll know the families that maybe somebody's out of work because of COVID-19, for example? Well, we would never have that level of of detail, but obviously they do know their territory quite well and it tends to be a localised service. And calling door to door to offer loans, th- th- there's nothing illegal in that, is there? Not to the best of my knowledge, no. It's, it, I mean, money lending is a legal operating system, but unfortunately it comes with very high costs. Uh, you know, you can have exorbitant interest rates, which would be far in excess of any bank or credit union or other institution. And do you think people don't even realise just how much the interest is? 
from our experience, people just see uh, an urgent need. And you're probably dealing with a lot of people who may not be that particularly savvy when it comes to budgeting and planning ahead. And that's where they, they would turn to us. But they have an urgent need. Say, how are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to buy the toys for Christmas? And next thing someone says, I'll give you X hundred. And you can pay it back over a, month, over a couple of months. And they don't think beyond that. And it's usually after Christmas then in the cold months of January and February when you know they're, they're paying back these huge interest rates and they're trying to pay the other bills and expenses of running a household that they find themselves really under pressure. And once you get into the clutches of a money lender, Jerry, is it very hard to get away? Well, it is because people are working generally on fairly tight income and it takes quite a while to pay off their loans. And very often, you know, by the time they're coming to the end of a loan, there's another event coming up. Maybe it's a Holy Communion or it's a confirmation or a birthday party and temptations there, which you look, we'll give you another little bit. We can top up your loan because you won't get off. So people can be almost perennially dealing with this system. God, it's, it's almost like it's never ending uh, for, for, for some people. And then I'm assuming that it, it must be very intimidating at times to have a person arriving at your door because they, they come back every week then to collect the money. Isn't that how it operates? Yes, in many cases, again, we, 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 we would never be dealing directly with them, but the anecdotal evidence we hear from clients that come to us looking for support is that typically someone would call them maybe once a week or once a fortnight to, to collect their payment. Yeah, it's very hard not to pay up then, isn't it? Um, and we know this year more than ever, I think we're hearing of people shopping early uh, for Christmas. You know, people are afraid that the stock won't be there. Others are afraid they won't have the money uh, when, you know, time time for Christmas. Um, money lenders will try to to almost tap into that sense of panic buying, won't they? That's why you're out talking about this now. Yes, we're, we're, we're trying to bring in a preventative measure to try and encourage people to think ahead and maybe look at alternative sources. I mean, there's lots of little, little um, savings clubs and payment options with very reputable retailers where people can go in, they can pay a couple of euros a week and pay off something over the next you know month or two rather than going the alternative route of money lenders and they wouldn't be paying exorbitant rates. I mean, we would obviously encourage people then who have any kind of financial pressures and are struggling to manage their budgets to either come to ourselves or other charities, go to business advice or go to the MAPS, Money Advice and Budgeting Service, who are excellent at supporting people to, to plan their budgets. Go speak to your local friendly credit union. Absolutely. The credit union is a fantastic service. And I mean, they do operate the, the business. They do operate their interest rates. They've got to make enough to, to cover their costs to make a few quid. But their interest rates are quite modest. Mm. And they're very, very tuned into the community. So they're thinking of the, the best interest of the community as well as their business. Yeah. And then they'll work with you if, God forbid, something happens and you lose your job or, you know, you're you're down on money for whatever reason that you, you can deal you can deal with them at, uh, at least. And Jerry, there are many people and some of them, you know, even listening to us this morning who are struggling this year, perhaps people who've never struggled before because of the pandemic. What What do you say to those people today? Well, the first thing we have to say to people is don't panic. You know, there, 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 there are ways of getting help uh, if, they're, if they're in dire straits. They certainly should turn to ourselves and Vincent to Paul. We, we would always talk to people and support them and try and give them a little bit of guidance because it's not always about giving money. Very often it's about a little bit of friendly advice, a little bit of support, not to panic. Uh, and I think we would encourage people to use the reputable services like the Credit Union, Post Office and their local bank 
And are you expecting to have a bigger level of people coming to you for help this year? Definitely, we've noticed that uh, our, our information officers have already commented that, that the level of phone calls are getting over the last two, three weeks has increased dramatically. Uh, I think we're probably up to around 100 calls per information officer per day wow. over the last couple of days. And we will see that probably continuing and maybe even increasing in the in the, the next couple of weeks because there's a little more talk on, on the media and, you know, among people generally about the, the pressures of Christmas. The fears of further lockdown, you know, will retailers be closed up and we won't be able to get stuff. So I think there's a lot of people across all sectors of society beginning to panic just a little bit, think, oh, we better get the toys and stuff now quickly. So our message is to people is, you know, not to panic. The world isn't going to end. Times are tough. But it's 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 not worth making a, a panic decision now and then being in the doldrums trying to cope with it in a month's time. Yeah, I know. I spoke earlier in the week with the wonderful Katrina Toomey from uh, Cork Penny Dinners, you know, and she was talking about business owners who've, whose business is gone because of COVID coming to Cork Penny Dinners for food parcels. You know, people who would never have been near Cork Penny Dinners except perhaps to make donations uh, in the past. And it's the same with the societies of Vincent de Paul, Jerry, and it can be hard for people to say, I need a little bit of help this year, can't, isn't it? It can be very hard, Patricia. And I suppose one of the one of the important messages we've got to get out, similar to what you said there, is that a lot of people who would be informed or donors for ourselves who would have always given us a few quid this time of year are then now themselves in trouble. And they find it very hard to pick up the phone and turn to a charity kind of thing. I couldn't possibly do that. But we are saying, look, the only requisites to ring us is need. It doesn't matter your background. We've we've helped people. They might have a nice car parked outside the door, but the job is gone or the business is gone and there's no money in the in the house. They are just as needy as anyone else. Absolutely. So we would say to people, if there is genuine need, please pick up the phone and talk to us. But I'm assuming, Jerry, your fundraising has been severely affected this year because of COVID. Yeah, it's been a tough year for fundraising because obviously we would spend very heavily on our church gate collections which most uh, places are done on a monthly basis, they've been more or less gone since the end of March. Uh, now, we had some back to a very limited extent over the last number of, of weeks. But uh, now, with, with the current situation, the last of them are gone again. Uh, we would typically have had a big flag day, which we have mid-October every year. This is the first year now in many, many years we haven't been able to do that because it wouldn't be safe to put people out on the streets. So we're very much depending on people making generous donations when they can either online or posting into us or by credit card or whatever, uh, we will be doing our annual card draw, mm-hmm. which we do every year, just coming up now that it'll be going out in the post in early November. And we will be hopefully, depending on people who are in good situation, to, to support those who are less fortunate over the next couple of months, because we see it being a long, tough winter with covid and we really, really need every bit of funding we can get to help those in need. Okay, more, more than ever, those that have, please give uh, this year. Okay, listen, uh, Jerry. Continued uh, good luck with the fantastic work that you do at the Society of St Vincent de Paul, right across the city and uh, county. It is very much appreciated. And thank you for joining us on the program today. 
Thank you very much, Patricia. I look forward to talking to you again. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Jerry Garvey there, who is the Southwest Regional Coordinator with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. 1850-333-103. Can I bring a WhatsApp in from a listener to say, Hi, Patricia. Not a happy camper. This morning, we got a letter from the school yesterday evening that the HSE sent to them stating a pupil tested positive for COVID-19 at the school. What bothers me is we don't know what year the pupil is in. We don't want to know the pupil's name, but it will be really helpful to us and all of the pupil's families to know what year. Was it a pupil in first year? Was it a pupil in second year, in third year and so on? It's not the school's fault. It's the HSE's policy. At least let us know, for heaven's sake, that pupil could have been in my daughter's class who knows? They should close the schools. This is crazy. Please don't call out my name. And it's the copy of the letter the listener has sent on uh, to us. And it's the standard letter that goes out. I've seen it before because I've seen it from other schools and they just give a confirmed na- case of COVID-19 and they they state the school and they talk about a public health risk assessment has been undertaken. No further, uh, no further individuals were identified as close contacts as your child has not been identified as a close contact at this time. Time. Your child does not need to test for COVID-19. They can continue to attend school and no further actions are required at this at time. Not, not all parents, you know, and as that listener says, a happy camper. A lot of parents get very, have raised that very same issue. They would prefer to have more detail. Nobody wants the actual pupil identified, even though we're almost into this shaming now, aren't we? If somebody gets COVID-19, it wasn't the pupil's fault that they got COVID-19. They could have picked it up anywhere. But it's almost like it's a shame game going on. So nobody wants to be identified as the person who has COVID-19. But it's an interesting point, I think, that that listener makes. Would you like to know would you like more detail? And this is aimed at parents. Would you like to know if the COVID-19 case was in your child's classroom? Even though they've done the risk assessment, your child obviously wasn't sitting anywhere near or wasn't with that particular pupil for a period of time that could have led that pupil to pass on the COVID-19 to your son or daughter. But would you prefer more information? Do you think that's the way? Do you think the HSE needs to look at that again and perhaps come up with some other way of of doing it, come up with some other way of deciding who, how they get the information out to the individual parents? And do you think that the class should be identified, at least give the class that it was first year or it was all second year, it was third years or whatever. Your thoughts welcome on that, 1850 333 103. And another listener says, I am from uh, West Cork. Can I clarify what I'm hearing? Has there been confirmed cases in Damamwe? And even, and even so, has there been any cases in the school? Very worried about my child going to school every day. It is such a worrying time. I don't think, says this texter, that schools are a safe place uh, for children. Uh, th- when they're at home, the parents can at least uh, protect them. There has been outbreaks of COVID-19 in all parts of the county. John Paul will be joining us in studio and we'll go through the, do- lo- the different local electoral areas. But there hasn't been a part of the city or county that hasn't at this stage had some positive cases for COVID-19. We'll look at them in more detail later on. 1850 333 103. Lines open. For today on C103. Call 
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now yesterday we had a query in from a listener who purchased a jumper, took it home, removed the tags and then realised the jumper didn't suit. The shop refused to take the jumper back as the tags had been removed. To find out the consumer advice on this issue, I'm joined by Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association. Good morning to you, Dermot. Morning, Patricia. Uh, Hi. Oh, great to talk to you. Is the shop breaking any consumer rules here? Jennifer did have the tags, but she had just removed them while the, it was, I think it was her hobby was trying on the jumper. Um, they didn't break any rules, but, um, you know, again, times are tough at the moment, so rules are likely to be strictly enforced. It does, the, the general advice is, look, unless you're absolutely certain, don't remove tags. You can't return anything unless it's completely intact, unused, um, with the tags attached. Um, in, this, in this instance, I'm not sure what happened afterwards, but if you wanted to read it as it says in the law book, then the best you'd be entitled to would be um, a credit note um, or some some credit to the value of the item. No, she was she was completely refused any kind yeah. of a refund. She even said she would have accepted a voucher because the jumper is of no use to the person she purchased it for. I think it was for her partner. Um, but the shop absolutely said, no way, that's it. Yeah, and I can understand it. Um, in, as I say, that is the law. And it's probably being enforced more now than ever because of the very fact that we're we're involved in a, a situation of COVID, and there's a, there's a fear factor in taking something back as well as reselling it on, um, and it has to be retagged, etc. Um, and so it's it's very frustrating, um, but it's 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 the law. But you can't try on clothes in many shops at the moment. I mean, a lot of no. shops I've been into, the dressing rooms out of bounds, so. You take the item home and try it on. You're saying, well, once you leave the tags on, you should be then allowed to bring it back. And you would be, which is the kind of odd side to this. If, if you're, you know, literally the strict inter- interpretation of consumer law is if you buy something, you really, uh, unless there's something wrong with it, you should, be not, you should not be bringing it back. And if, uh, again, unless there's something wrong with it, the best you can expect, the very best you can expect is a credit note to the value of. But in, to all intents and purposes, you, the, the goal is that you've decided in the shop, this is the right size, this is the right colour, I'm going to buy it, and unless there's something wrong with it, I understand I can't bring it back. Um, and, th- you know, that's why, as I say, it will be very strictly interpreted now by retail for a variety of reasons. A, they, they're, they're probably understaffed. B, they're certainly worried about stock. C, um, it is the law. And D, they don't have to, um, and they would be worried about taking anything back in unless they particularly had to, could bag it and send it back to the, to, to the manufacturer. So if you're buying something in a shop that you're unsure if it's going to fit you or not, and there isn't a facility to try it on, you need to have the chat before you purchase it. You do, very, yeah. very much so. It's, it's, everything at the moment is overly practical and realistic. You've got to state everything the way you need it, the way you hope it would be, and ask, look, if this doesn't fit, can I bring it back? Would you, is that agreed between us? You know, and it, it's all of that, and it's kind of key as we go over the next number of months, the next number of weeks. In all honesty, Patricia, because that is going to have to be the case um, where possible. If you're worried about buying anything, and um, it's for Christmas, which some people are buying early, rights generally require you to bring something back within a short number of weeks. So, if you're buying early, as is being asked by retail. Um, and they're not telling you that they're changing the rights. You need to have it in writing. I can bring this back in January, um, or else you're 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 on your own. 
Yeah, somebody wants to know if they bought a present for somebody at Christmas and it doesn't fit, where do you stand with returning it after Christmas? At the point of purchase, you need to ask. You do. Yeah, um, and yeah. preferably have it written on it. It's easy to write in the receipt, return by um, whatever day, 31st January. That all helps. And know. someone else bought an item and brought it home, tried it on, didn't fit when they went back, couldn't get a credit note or an exchange because it was a sale item, was told in the shop that they were only giving refunds or exchanges on full price items. Um, that is possible. I mean, again, if there was anything wrong with it, you would be entitled to a full refund. But in a sale where they declare it, this is a sale that's decidedly reduced, we're not taking it back, you see it, you're happy with it, you buy it, it's yours. That's allowed. But again, if there was, if you brought it home and it didn't work, um, or if, it was, you, if yeah. you realised it was torn, you, you could We're get not it. liking it, Jason. No. Let, let the no. buyer beware. Run out, I've run out of time. We'll have you back on again, uh, Dermot, Lovely. before Christmas. I can see a lot of questions coming in. But thank you for that. And thanks Pleasure. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. The wonderful Dermot Jewell of the Consumers Association. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, a number of people commenting on our chat with Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association, particularly in regard to our listener who purchased an item for her partner. It was a jumper, I think, and took the tags off. Partner tried on the jumper, didn't suit for whatever reason, either didn't fit or didn't look good or maybe it was too big, I don't know. Bought it back to the shop, had the tags, but they had been removed and the shop refused, said absolutely no way, wouldn't return them with the tags taken off. A couple of people on about that. Returning goods during the pandemic should not be allowed and with no pandemic, all tags should be on items. You must remember other people will want to go on and buy those clothes, says a texter. Patricia, I would not be happy to purchase anything but that had been returned to a shop that the label was taken off. Um, it was a returned uh, item. Um, I think the shop was right, particularly in the present climate. And then Anne says Patricia, I purchased two pairs of trousers recently in Dunn stores. When I came home I realised they were the wrong size. I phoned them and they told me no problem at all with returning them. I returned them the following day and got the proper size. I hadn't tried them on now by the way and told that to the lady that I spoke to on the phone but there was no issue at all and there was a straight change from the size to the correct size and somebody else says I got a jacket in Dunn stores last weekend got it home tried it on it was too big no problem at all at changing it and someone else says Patricia that listener took the label off the item end of story and someone else on WhatsApp says you don't need to take tags off clothes to try them on the shop in this case was right not to take the item back okay that's just some of your thoughts coming in this morning on other issues on money lenders that we also spoke about with Sir Vincent de Paul who are this year really trying to do a push to people to please just keep away from money lenders Michael says money lenders are like the virus they show up at your door unannounced moneylenders have wreaked havoc on many a household in this country and will continue to do so unless there's something done immediately about it. One deadly virus is enough to be dealing with. I'm asking everyone to write to their TDs immediately to draft legislation to bring an end to this practice. And don't tell me it can't be done as government could do it overnight if there was a will. Yes, contact every TD in writing. Not phone calls or texts, just plain simple letters. Thanking you, that's from 
uh, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Someone else wants to point out, good morning, it's 70 days to Santa Claus. Okay, we'll move on from that one on the GAA. Hi, Patricia. All the hierarchy of the GAA are worried about is getting money for television rights. What about the sacrifices of the players have to make in these testing times with COVID-19? I'm an ardent GAA follower, but please give it a break under the present circumstances. That's from Jim. Someone else says, Patricia, I think the GAA want to run the championships because they got 15 million euro from the government plus, as Jim has pointed out, there will be money from television uh, rights. Someone else says, the game's going ahead. Total madness. It's fine for Pat Spillane to say the games will bring joy to people. To carry people, yes, but they're good what about the other counties that were not as good as Kerry? The only thing they might end up getting from it uh, would be COVID, says a uh, listener. Also on um, the championships, uh, Marianne. Hi, Patricia. Glad to hear all as well. Marcia, thank you for that. We certainly need the championships this year. It would shorten the winter for all, especially those who are confined to home. And I think, yeah, that was summed up by Roy in the city who contacted us all. He has... He sits at home, you know, 24-7. All he has is his, the bit of TV. Certainly is going to bring joy to him uh, if it goes ahead. Mary Ann says, safety, of course, is paramount. So it may not be possible to finish the competition. It'll have to be baby steps and see how it goes. This pandemic is certainly a learning curve for everyone. One day at a time, folks, and play as many games as possible. We can only hope that Cork will repeat the double in December. Kind uh, regards. And that's for Mary Ann. Thank you for that, Mary Ann. Uh, John says, Patricia, it's a case of no GAA. This country should be in lockdown since Tony Houlihan said so almost 14 days ago. But our government decided to give him the two fingers. People don't care anymore. Even my next door neighbour, neighbours, they're in their late 50s. They're in Lanzarote. That speaks for everyone. We are great to bring in rules, but we have no one to enforce them. The government is talking about bringing in fines in two weeks' time. God help us. And I don't even know there's a push against those fines. I didn't even know if the fines are going to come in. And somebody else says Pat Spillane is only interested in the money he'll make from, now this is the quote from this listener, his Stone Age commentary on RTE. Uh, personally, I think there should be no inter-county GAA this evening, this, ye- this season. Health should come first and health should come before wealth. Corkic Abu says that. Listener, thank you for that. And Mary says, Patricia, have you or has anybody else noticed that Dr Tony Houlihan has stopped making recommendations? I feel we're like a ship without an anchor, hugely adrift without his advice. I know he's saying all the right things, but his recommendations are missed. I think our so-called leaders are too busy playing the blame game that they have seriously missed the boat. We should have gone into level five when it was recommended. And actually so many people, uh, funnily enough, are actually saying that, you know, and nobody, I I think nobody wants to go into level five. But I think with the way the numbers are stacking up, people are starting to say, Maybe Tony Houlihan was right two, two uh, weeks ago. Uh, Joe in Dunmanway says, well done, government. If you'd listened to our wonderful Neffet and Dr Tony Houlihan, we'd now be halfway through a one month of level five, which is what they had suggested. But they chose to ignore it. Not happy with the way the country has been run for sure. That's Joe in Dunmanway. And Meg says, Patricia, this is reality. It's not reality TV. Maybe when everyone knows somebody who has died from the virus, people might start to cop on. 
Pat Infomoy says the GAA isn't the problem as such and they know that. It's what happens outside the gates that are the problem. As a result, says Pat, he would ban all GAA matches for the present time. Jonathan in Mill Street is wondering, and what would others think of this, why not, like what they've done in other countries, introduce a curfew? How would you feel about living with a curfew in this country whereby nobody would be allowed out on the streets? You'd have to be indoors. Jonathan is saying 10pm and you wouldn't be allowed out then until maybe 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, probably 5 if people have to travel for work, etc. But a complete curfew. Other countries have done it. And then you either have the military out or the guardy out making sure and if you're caught out on the streets without a genuine reason you could be fined. Would people be in favour of that? Would it work? Do you think? Is it something that we should look at? Something we should consider? By the way John Paul has put up a poll on Twitter at C103 at Cork with the COVID-19 figures the increase should the GAA Intercounty Championship be suspended and it's currently standing and I'll give you the running total at the end of the programme as well. 66% of people on our Twitter feed have said yes and 33% have said no. So there's a lot of people are in favour of the inter-county championships. We'll let you know, as I say, the end result of that Twitter poll before we finish up at one o'clock. Frank says, the people not realise we're only a step away from level five. They need to stop and put a hold on everything. The economy will bounce back and we will get through this. We just need to lock the country down now. Frank is a healthcare worker and he said he will willingly swap with anyone who's not taking this virus seriously right now so that you can see the devastation at first hand. And I think that's one thing that the hospitals are certainly starting to see uh, is the devastation. 1850 333 And Tricia was on to us to say, to say, I order a lot of items online at the moment, particularly since the pandemic. And only once throughout the entire pandemic has a delivery driver arrived at my door wearing a mask while delivering my goods. I usually ask them to leave the package in the porch so that there's no contact between me or the delivery driver but the other day one of them actually came in and tried to open my door and by the way wasn't wearing a mask I had to hold the door shut and ask him to leave my package on the floor but the thing that really bothers me is my neighbour is actually blind and his family would order many items for him online he's no way of knowing whether the delivery driver is wearing a mask or not are others noticing that the lack of mask wearing by delivery drivers and I'll have to th- I don't know if I've actually I know I'm here in the mornings when the postman comes. We have a lovely postman. Always has a mask on. Always keeps the two metres social distancing. The delivery guy has a tendency, the, any of the couriers coming here has a tendency just to leave stuff at the front door. So I don't know if they're wearing masks or not. You would assume the fact that they're going from house to house and they would have a level of interaction. Now, I know nobody signs for anything ever, anymore. So it literally is a drop and then away. But, you know, I take it if they're ringing doorbells, they are interacting with some people. Are they always managing to stay two metres apart? And we know we're all safer if you're wearing a mask. So I don't know. Has others noticed that? Is it just the particular delivery drivers that's coming to Trisha's house that for whatever reason are not wearing masks? 1850 and on oh just on a scam call Catherine was on to say that she got a call 5am in the morning she woke to a call didn't recognise the number and obviously it was a big long one so she didn't answer it and uh, when she googled the number it was a plus nine four seven two oh five 
number. It turned out to be from Sri Lanka. And obviously our Catherine doesn't have anybody in Sri Lanka. She wasn't expecting a call from them. So she left the call go. Yeah, listen, those scam calls. If you have a smartphone, you should be, Catherine, able to block the number, even though doesn't really help because they'll just they'll, and they're randomly generating the numbers so you haven't been targeted in any way but I mean I know I went through a stage of having to block all of the numbers you'll just stop getting it from that particular number but they use because they're the phones they're using are coming from computers as well they'll just change to a different number 1850 333 103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Dukong Concrete in Kanturk, they're looking for a HGV driver, while an industrial insulator in Cladder wanted for a workshop that's in Formoy. Full-time staff nurse is required, that's for an immediate start at Maria Goretti Nursing Home, that's in Kilmalik. And a multi-drop rigid truck Hascam driver is wanted for M&J Kelleher Oil Distributors, they're based in McCroom. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more information. This is C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And a listener by text says, I was dropping my boys to school uh, this morning and the amount of people going into other homes and being left in by the householders. Will people ever cop on and listen to the guidelines? No house visits no visits to people's homes, please, will you ever cop on. Now, just hang on, though, before we start accusing people of going into people's houses uh, when for a non-essential visit, it could have been for essential visit. We know that visits are allowed. For example, if you're going into childbind, it's OK. And we also know for elderly people who are living on their own, they came out very clear yesterday and said it is, I think it was Dr. Ronan Glynn I heard speak about this uh, yesterday because we certainly don't want older people to feel totally isolated. It is okay for somebody to call in and check on somebody. Obviously you've got to abide by the social distancing if you want to feel a little bit safer, if you want to both wear masks, that's fine as well but it is quite safe, it's quite okay to call in and check up on an elderly person and please keep doing that because we need to do that. So just be careful when you're jumping in accusing people of, you know, making a non-essential visit to somebody's house. No, none of us know what's going on behind closed doors. None of us know the reason that somebody may need to be in another person's house. Thank you for your WhatsApp though to 0862 103 103. Now some people consider it daylight robbery. The theft of an hour at the end of October every year when the clocks go back. Once again the discussion around clock changes is upon us. And joining me once again, a man I've had many a conversation with over the years on this issue, is MEP for the South, uh, Sean Kelly. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning to you indeed and how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. I thought this argument was put to bed for once and for all. Didn't the European Parliament vote to permanently end clock changes in March of 2019? You're absolutely correct and we all thought it was put to bed because it took us a long time to get as far as that and to get the Commission to agree to it but they did, and they did a public consultation, and 80% of people said they wanted it to end. And in front of that, not alone, they were in favour of it, but the president at the time, President Juncker, mentioned it, his State of the Union address. And all we wanted in was for the member states to agree, and they met, some of them agreed, some didn't, including our own country, I must say, Ireland. And so why, why didn't we I, agree? 
I think the main reason was they were afraid that the British wouldn't move and that we wouldn't have at uh, the same time north and south of the border, which I thought was a bit uh, small, a bit weak, in the sense that uh, why should we allow the British to dictate to us? And also the fact that 80% of the British who responded to the public consultation also wanted to end clock change. So I'm quite sure if the European Union moved in that direction, they would have had no choice and would probably be glad to move with the rest of Europe on this one. So for those reasons, it didn't happen. So now I'm trying to get it going again. And I've written to President Ursula von der Leyen to put it back on the agenda, see what can we do about it. Because if 80% of people feel that it has outlived its usefulness, which I think it has, then I think we should look at it and not just say that one or two countries are against it, so we're going to do nothing about it. With depression on the increase, particularly during this current pandemic, it would really help this year more than ever, Sean, wouldn't it, to have longer evenings? You're absolutely correct. And I've always said, and I think you said the same time, you used a lovely phrase there, actually, daylight robbery. Uh, For me, it actually... Uh, brings in winter essentially overnight and it postpones the oncome of spring by about a month because once the clock goes back we're into the long, long evenings and it's terribly depressing and unhelpful especially for elderly people, people living alone. It costs more because the heating bills will go up isolation will go up and then people, it has been proven uh, scientifically to research because we did all that here in the European Parliament and availed of what was done worldwide in relation to the issue, that people who are prone to depression, people with autism, light sleepers, are all negatively affected by it. So there are very few reasons why it should continue other than tradition. And I saw during the week that the Social Democrats uh, co-founder uh, Roisin Shortall uh, suggested, or co-leader should I say, Roisin Shortall suggested to the Taoiseach to scrap the clock change even for this year. Could the Irish government just do it if there was a will? They could do it, but I suppose it is better to have it on a coordinated basis. I can see the difficulties of reacting unilaterally because they need to have different times and different places. It would be difficult for businesses. But actually, I welcome her determination because that's the kind of talk maybe that will get people moving and say, listen, if people feel this strongly about it, uh, we should at least look at it again and uh, see what people think. And judging, as I said, by the respondents, and there was this is what uh, motivated the Commission. They had a way bigger response to this issue than any other issue they ever had a public consultation on. Even in relation to things like CAP and agriculture, food and all that, I think it was over 4.3 million responded to this. And this biggest ever response they ever got to any public issue was 300,000 or so. So it just shows for many people they would like it ended and it's only a question of politicians having the courage and the will to do it. Well, I know over the years when I would be talking to you and this was in the lead up to that to that vote by the European Parliament, we always had a huge reaction to it with everybody very much on your side. There was very few people who were in favour of the clock changes. Everybody was saying, you know, that it is an outdated practice, isn't it? It's, it's from a different era. Yeah, it came in during World War One, 
Essentially, it is save energy, which made sense at the time because energy was scarce, it was dear, and uh, there wasn't that much public lighting and so forth. But sure, now the world has completely changed what it was 100 years ago. And instead of saving energy, it's costing energy. And of course, also, we now have more renewable energy and we'll have into the future. So that argument is completely turned on its head. But for people in houses who are still reliant on their houses being heated by gas or oil or uh, wood or coal, then, of course, uh, the longer the winter goes on, uh, the more it's going to cost them. So it's absolutely nonsensical to suggest their energy savings in it now because it's that's the exact opposite. That's the opposite. And that's very unfortunate because if we did have uh, an extra round evening, people working, people coming home from school and so forth, it gives them a bit of time to get out and get a bit of physical exercise or even go for a walk or youngsters to play for an extra hour, all very positive things. But unfortunately, while we have this all time, it's not going to happen. OK, and the clocks officially go back an hour. It's tomorrow night week, well, the Saturday into Sunday morning, isn't it? It's next weekend, not this weekend. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's going to happen, unfortunately. Again. OK, and there, there's... We there... thought the last of it, but we'll have to fight on. Absolutely, absolutely. While we have you on, uh, Sean, disappointing news of Ryanair closing its uh, base here at Cork Airport uh, for the winter. Do you see any light? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. At the end of the tunnel for the aviation industry at the moment. Yeah, we had uh, some meetings in Parliament in, in Brussels on it during the week and I actually raised that issue. It's a very, very concerning issue, and I'm very sorry for the people in Cockley Airport. Indeed, I was speaking to them myself during the week. They have worked so hard and improved the situation so well, and we're getting extra routes. So hopefully this is going to be a winter of discontent and will be followed by a big improvement in situation, hopefully next year. But definitely it's quite clear that the flights are going to be reduced everywhere, and... Uh, they are going to be less on them, and it's going to be difficult to see how many airlines are actually going to survive. And that's something that we're looking at the European Parliament and in relation to the recovery fund, 
to see how they can be supported, and particularly regional airports that serve the community and the business centres and so forth so well, like South Cork and other airports, they're vital because they're, and they're a pleasure to go through because they're so friendly. We don't have the same delays and bureaucracy and rushing. Ah, it's, a br- it's a brilliant airport. airport. It's a brilliant airport. Yeah, and it's a pity, and I'm so sorry for them, but hopefully, come next spring, maybe there might be a new dawn, but in the meantime, the political establishments, both in Ireland and in Europe, will have to do everything they can to keep the airports alive and ticking over. Okay, and we'll pick your GAA brain for a moment. We're running a Twitter poll and getting a lot of reaction actually from listeners on this on the GAA uh, championships and whether it should go ahead this year or or not. Uh, I was quoting uh, Pat Spillane who came out yesterday saying, you know, that the GAA and the championships running and the fact that they'll be on the TV, it's an escape that we need to get away from all of the the doom and gloom. But then we've other people who are worried about the spread of COVID-19 and should we just be forgetting about sports for this year and put all the focus into recovery, getting out of where we are with COVID-19 and should we have a championship next year instead? Are you are you with the GAA on this one, Sean? Well, I can see both sides very well. And I think that ultimately the HSE and the government will have to take all those points into consideration and make a decision. Obviously, it's great to have the championship because nothing gets us more motivated and gets people more alive and uh, out there and excited than a championship. But then you have to consider those who are actually playing and their families. Are they going to be in difficulty, etc.? So it's a very tricky one. But I wouldn't pull the plug in it yet. I would see how it's going and uh, take the reaction and the views of particularly players and officials who are close to the scene and who have to actually go do the playing, what they think, and make a decision. But I don't think we should be rushing into uh, pulling the plug as of yet. But at the same time, if COVID obviously gets worse, then, uh, then I think the less and less activities we're going to have, unfortunately, and that's going to be the position. I mean, it was great over the last couple of months to have the club championships. I saw different ones from all over the country on television, and some of them were so exciting, it was fantastic. And you do need a uh, kind of a, a release, as Pat Spillane said, from the mundaneness of life, and particularly for people living again alone and elderly people and who followed sport all their lives. They need something. So hopefully things might get better and we may get along with it, but it's going to be, it's going to be a tricky one. But it was it was some of the celebrations that went on, not after all matches, uh, Sean, but some of it we know helped the spread of COVID-19. I mean, particularly there was a, a case in, in Cavan of celebration there, I think after a county final, and there was a lot of cases of COVID-19 positive as a direct result of that celebration. Yeah, that was most unfortunate. But it shouldn't happen. But in some respects, I can understand the excitement. If you haven't won a championship ever before, uh, you'll say to yourself, Jeff, for this night, we're going to celebrate and then lock down again. But that's not possible, unfortunately, with this COVID because it doesn't take a break itself. And once people have it or close to someone who has it, it spreads like wildfire. And I think those who won the championships and were celebrating probably weren't conscious of it. They just got carried away, which is understandable in some respects, but it, it cannot... You cannot allow that in any circumstances at the present time, unfortunately. And 
they'll just have to try and control themselves and bide their time and plan for a big, bigger celebration when this is over. Okay, it is strange times though to to see in print that the All Ireland Football Final, uh, the date is the December the nineteenth under lights in Croke Park. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Did, did we ever space, think? You know, did we like, ever think we'd be talking about an All Ireland Final on the on the nineteenth of December under lights? And um, by the way, uh, Sean, are you never. are you are you based in Europe? Or are you where where are you at the moment? in Brussels at the moment because I came out and I said if I went home I couldn't be coming back in so I'm kind of doing slots at the moment maybe coming out for a week or two and then going back for maybe two weeks or whatever but at the moment everything in Europe is also now a bit up in the heap they're going to meet next week and see what they're going to do and the one thing I've asked them for is to make a decision in advance because this week now for instance it was only yesterday that I decided I wouldn't go to Strasbourg next week, which, and I know many MEPs had booked flights and so forth, thinking it was going to go on there. So I, I said to them, look, will you at least try and make a decision uh, in advance for one month, and we live with it, whether it is the right or the wrong decision, or if things improve or, or disimprove, hopefully they won't. But it's very difficult for everybody at the minute, and you just kind of have to understand that everybody is trying to do their best trying to keep things going but it's not easy because if the numbers keep going up then obviously the less movement you have of people the better in everybody's interest. Yeah so and certainly num- numbers are rising it, is, it isn't it is just here in Ireland numbers are rising right across Europe I know Germany are particularly bad at the moment as well. Okay listen we wrap it up there uh, Sean thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Stay safe. Take care. That is MEP for the South, uh, Sean Kelly, who initially tried just to talk about clock changes, but we got into a whole host of uh, different issues as well. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, a memorial to commemorate those lost to the sea is finally in sight for the coastal village of Baltimore to discuss the plans. I'm joined by Tara Connolly of the Baltimore Wrath and the Islands Community Council. Good morning to you, Tara. Hi, it's Tara Cotter here. Hi, Patricia. Uh, Tara Cotter, sorry. My, my apologies, Tara. Uh, you're wrong, wrong surname written down. Now, you, uh, you already have a design for this uh, memorial. Can you describe it for us, please? We have. It's, um, now the process is going back. We're, the Community Council have, have been planning this for over two years. It's been a long time in the plan well before COVID was ever heard of. So um, it's been a long process. We started by obviously working with the council. They were very good to give us an area to put a memorial. Um, we had to put a tender out to get um, some artists. Now, we put it out to local artists to put in submissions. Um, we were very lucky in West Cork. There's an abundance of talent there and we're lucky we got a lot of submissions in and we went through them and came down to three people, um, two of which um, the ideas were similar. So we asked them if they'd work together and thankfully they they were delighted. So um, Helen Walsh and Paddy McCormick are the two artists. They're internationally known. They're multi, they're talented, beautiful work. And this, they work in copper, bronze and stainless steel. Now, what they've designed is there it'll be a structure adjacent to the harbour building um, it's going to be three metres tall by two metres by by three metres it's a, a very large structure 
and um, so it's it will be beautiful when it's when it comes to pass that it will be built yeah. and put in place. Um, but of course, it's the fundraising we had. Applied. And, and the, the from what I can gather from the description I read, the the idea is it's two waves forming together. Yeah. It comes from the ground, uh, like two waves forming into a heart shape. Wow. And then it's like the spray from the waves form little droplets and those little copper rings, they represent the lost souls. Wow, wow, how special. And you know, uh, I loved the idea that it was two local artists. There's something special you know, in years to come when people will look at this gorgeous memorial and to know that it was locals designed it. Oh yes, it. I mean their children grew up in the area and right. went to school in the area. They're very, yeah. That have was they worked one together? Of the have they worked together before as artists? Not, no, they no, they work individually. They have their own. Yeah. Yes. Well, they, they're well. both sculptures and craft people. They, they do their own work. Okay, so this has been a long time coming. A lot of work has gone into it and you now, you got, you finally got planning, did you? We did, yeah. There was a lot, you know, um, obviously planning, there's always difficulties and, um, finding the correct place to put it and the correct um, design and but anyway all the kind of cards have all fallen in place and um, now is the time I suppose it's nearly two years now from the we took our I'm on the community council and we started our term it's almost three years ago we're coming to the end of our term and there was a memorial it has always been kind of in the plan for years with previous community councils um, but it just never came about there was always you know other important things on the agenda as well. So it was one of the things that we felt when we went through, um, you know, what we kind of wanted to achieve in our term, it was very important that the memorial be one of them. Well done, well done. Where do you hope to locate it? Now, the harbour bu- there's a harbour building overlooking the pier and there's a beautiful green area just adjacent to it and it's going to be in the upper section of that. Perfect. Um, and eventually... It'll be done in two phases. The structure is the first phase and there'll be a seating area in the second phase. Um, and then you'll be able, it'll be all planted. It will be beautiful when it's finished. Um, and an area where it'll be accessible to everyone and it's on a flat ground. So it's wheelchair friendly and um, it really will. It's going to be beautiful. But of course, it's the funding. We need the funding. OK, now, um, now, now we get to... The- we get to the crux yeah. of the matter. And How much yeah, no, is it going to cost? It is, it is going to cost 30, around 35000 Okay. That's um, a lot That's a lot of money. Do you have to fundraise all of that money? Um, well, we have gotten some donations in already okay. and there is a small amount already in the pot for it. So um, we are hoping that maybe, you know, obviously there will be donations. There are donations coming in already from people. But we're and hoping too that maybe businesses or companies that have fundraising budgets or corporations that have foundations that they might think of our memorial as something that they'd like to donate to this year. And there's no grant aids for anything like this, is there? Well, we have applied for a couple of grants already, but unfortunately we haven't been successful as yet. Ah. There is another one in the pipeline. Um, um, So we're just waiting. We'll be waiting until next month, I think, to hear about that. But um, yeah, so it's if we want to get it done, we need to to really to get it started. We need to start raising the money ourselves. And you have, you set up a GoFundMe page. There's a GoFundMe page set up under the name Baltimore Sea Memorial. You can also donate by check to to my address, which is available. If you put the link to the fundraising 
um, ways to fundraise up. My address is on that. Okay. And, um, and through our bank account, there's a, an account set up for the memorial in the permanent TSB and you have the details of that as well. See, in normal times, Tara, you'd be able to go out and organise some fundraisers, do a table quiz, have a bit yes, of a dance. absolutely. Have, you know. And those are the things that, you know, that have been done here forever and a day. Yeah. You know, those, but you see, we're living in different times now and it's very hard. You can't go door to door to people. Yeah. Um, you know, all the old ways of fundraising are, are gone out the window. And we appreciate that this is a very hard time to be approaching people looking for money. And what it just, you know, I suppose we had started the project a way before COVID was around and we felt it was something we needed to just keep going with. And listen, a memorial like that uh, will be there way after COVID is long oh, forgotten it about. Will, and, it's... and, you know, it, yes, it'll be there for our kids and their kids. Yeah. Yeah, and for will. families who have lost a loved one at sea, Tara, it'll be so special for people like that just to it sit. It is. I mean, we live on a, in a coastal village. Um, it's a little. It's a fishing village. Um, during the summer, it gets extremely busy with sailing, swimming. The ferries are going constantly. It's a very busy village, and it's just unfortunately we don't have a memorial here. Like most coastal villages, nearly have them all at this stage. And it's just something that we were we're passionate about that, you know, that our village should have one too. Well done, well done. Okay, and we'll put the link up on our uh, Facebook page. And I'd we'll, appreciate that. And, be great. and Tara, we'll keep in contact with you just to get an update on this. It's a it's a great story, and, and we wish you we wish you luck with it. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about it, Patricia. Our pleasure. Thanks for that, Tara. Thank you. And very that's much. Uh, Tara Cotter. My apologies for getting her name uh, wrong at the start. And Tara is with the uh, Baltimore Community Council. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. As I say, you can check it out on our Facebook page. I'd love to see that we could get some the the money in that they need 35,000 doesn't sound like a lot but for a small little community like that it's a huge huge sum of money uh, to raise before what is going to be an absolutely stunning memorial remembering those uh, lost to the sea 1850 on daylight hours that we were talking with Sean Kelly about in earlier on this hour Martin in Mitchellstown remembers this is interesting he remembers back in World War Two. They added two hours. Instead of the clocks going back one hour, they went back by two hours. He said a lot of this was done because there was a curfew in place and there was a blackout and they were trying to keep everywhere, you know, because of what was in the skies at the time. They were trying to keep everything as darkened as possible. But he clearly remembers that during the Second World War, it was two hours. While people are complaining about one hour going back, would you imagine if it went back at two hours? We've had a report in of repairs to a burst water main in May caused disruption in Maytown, Ballycotton and the surrounding areas until 3 o'clock today. And we mentioned e-scam calls. Eileen 622 in the Newmarket area got a scam call. And can, it can be frightening if your phone rings in the middle of the night or early in the morning or late at night. It can be really, really off-putting. And our R from Mill Street so listening to about scam calls earlier Patricia I got a call by the way I didn't answer it it was at 20 past 1 in the morning uh, this last night it was from a plus 688 and a big long number after it I did exactly what the person who contacted you said and I googled the country's code and it came from a place called Tre- I've never heard of this Trevillo 
T-R-V-I-L-U-E Trevillu. I've even Googled it and I can't even find a place called Trevillu. And of course I blocked uh, the number as you suggested. It seems odd to get a call at that time of the night so it raised my suspicions immediately. These scammers have no mercy says R from Mill Street and that's because there's so many of those scams doing the rounds. The number of people who won't answer a call unless they know the number because if it's somebody who's trying to get through to you, they'll leave a message uh, for you. And so many people do that now, unless they know the person on the other end of the line, then they're not going to take the call. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hi Patricia, could you please announce the following? The drive-in bingo due to be held at the Middleton GAA grounds on Sunday, the 25th of October has been cancelled due to higher level COVID restrictions. We will be back in safer times, thanking you, says uh, Marion. And a lot of those drive-in bingos were proving to be extremely successful. We uh, There wasn't a week, I think, went by where we weren't getting calls in asking where was the drive-in bingos, where would be the closest drive-in bingo. And uh, people said that they really, particularly the bingo fans, the people who've really missed bingo, because bingo in the traditional sense in the hall has been gone now since March, hasn't it? It's really, it's almost with the entertainment industry first to go and they will be the last to open for sure. So the driving bingos were proving very successful, successful, but gone at the moment because you can't have any more. You can 15 is the most you can have outside. And obviously for the driving bingos to be successful, they needed more than that. OK, so bingo off at the Middleton GAA grounds. But watch this space. They will have it back when times are better. 1850 John Paul, Sadie, taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. <laughs> Court today. Court today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Now we'll have John Paul uh, join us in the studio in a couple of minutes. He's gone going through the local electoral areas uh, to see over the last two weeks where the cases of COVID-19 uh, positive cases have been occurring in the city and uh, county doesn't make for very pleasant reading I can tell you that. You'll join us in a couple of minutes but the breaking story there at the top of the hour news with Barry is that Neffet has recommended Ireland moves to level 5 and that we move to level 5 for 6 weeks now the update on the story is that there's no government decision because obviously Neffet make the recommendation they made it 2 weeks ago, the government decided against it and moved the country to level 3 instead Uh, things have really changed in that 2 week period for sure. So the government haven't made a decision yet on Neffet's recommendation and it's not expected that a decision will be made today. Well, we know for sure it's not going to be made today because Micheál Martin is in Brussels. So government sources say they're likely to take the weekend to consider the full impact of this recommendation from Neffet and then there will be a cabinet meeting either Monday or Tuesday. The cabinet meeting is normally on Tuesday. They may decide to hold it on Monday because I assume while they will digest the information from Neffet over the weekend, I take it there will be a lot of Zoom calls and telephone calls over the weekend. So whether they'll decide to have a cabinet meeting on Monday or not but it's normally a, a, a Tuesday so we're certainly are not going to 
we're not going to have Micheál Martin addressing the nation this evening, telling us that we're all moving to a level five. And I know the Daily Mail today, they actually had a front page story where they exclusively revealed this. They they got it in first, saying that Neffet was uh, sending a letter to the government recommending that we move to level five for this six week uh, period. But it seems, according to the Daily Mail, that the, the recommendation will be that schools remain open. Now that would be very different to the last time when we had the lockdown in March because everything just grinded, grounded to a halt. But seemingly in this latest recommendation we move to level five and we move to level five for six weeks. You leave the schools uh, open and it would give further consideration to restrictions that apply to older people because at level five essentially even though the word cocooning isn't mentioned but that's really what people over the age of 70 would be asked to do. So it looks like there would be further considerations given to that part of level five as well. So it's now up to the ball, now bounces over to the government to decide how they're going to handle it. I know uh, the Tonishta Leo Varadkar said that if Ireland moved to level five COVID uh, restrictions, people would demand an exit strategy like what they have in uh, Germany. Leo Varadkar was speaking to his party colleagues yesterday and he said that in order for the entire country to move either to level four or to level five, he says he would need to be convinced that it's the right thing to do. He said he doesn't want to be rushed into making a decision on a COVID-19 lockdown unless it was completely necessary. So the devil will be in the detail on that recommend- recommendation from an effort but Leo yesterday saying if we're going to do it then we have to do it with an exit strategy like what they did in Germany and in Germany the public received detailed information on the specific measures that need to be taken to allow a region to go into uh, lockdown and they gave an out date and I think that's where Neffert is coming from on this saying if we move to level 5 take it that it would be from next Monday it would be for exactly six weeks and we would come out of it at the end of the six weeks because I think that's what concerns people we went into a lockdown that we were led to believe was going to last two weeks for some people they're still in that lockdown they never came out of the March uh, lockdown but it took many many months for some services and some businesses to get back up and running and some have never got back up so I can see where they're coming from in actually giving a beginning and an end date. Will that make level five a bit easier for people if you know when the end date is going to be? And of course, if we went into level five now and we did it for six weeks, it means we would be out for Christmas. It means families would be able to get together. And I'm assuming if it, until we hear from the government, is that part of Neffet's advice in that letter about moving us to level five? Is it to do with trying to save Christmas? 1850 And I was kind of taken aback when I saw this from John. John says, this is John's quote, since Dr Tony Houlihan returned, the cases have gone through the roof. John says, I think he is running away with himself, saying that we should be locked up again for six weeks. Is it time we got rid of him, said John. John feels the power is gone to Dr Tony's head, trying to lock us up for six more weeks. John says, put somebody there who knows what they're, what they're talking about. Stop scaremongering the people of the country. I was kind of taken aback when I saw your comment, uh, John. I mean, uh, Dr Tony Hoolan isn't responsible for the number of new cases. I mean, himself and the rest of the gang at Neffet are doing their best to try to get the message across pardon the pun, but don't shoot the messenger. I mean, because that's what you seem to be doing. You seem to be putting all the finger of blame to Tony Houlihan. Tony Houlihan 
got steered all of us through the first lockdown, got to a situation where we had flattened the curve. Obviously, for his own family reasons, then he stepped back. And it was very unfortunate that when he came back, the numbers had started to rise before the man came back. But I think it's very unfair of you to point the finger of brain and to say that he's scaremongering. He's not scaremongering. They're literally giving the figures every single day. The number of new cases, the number of new deaths, they point out what parts of the country they're pointing to, where and how some of the cases and the clusters are, break, are, you know, what's happening and for the reason for some of the clusters. But I don't think you could blame him and I don't think removing him is going to change the situation in any way. So I'm quite, I have to say, I disagree with your point of the finger blame at Dr Tony Hoolan. I think he and the rest of the gang at Neffert are doing the very best that they can. 1850 Morning Patricia says, as uh, is a um, that came in through our Facebook Messenger account. Send just a quick message before I head out to work. A large supermarket in a Cork town has contacted all of the college students yesterday and told them that they're not allowed work part-time if they are attending college on campus. I think this pandemic is hard, but most students have a few lectures on campus in every college. And it seems very unfair that the students will need to put their part-time will need their part-time jobs to fund and pay for food and accommodation whilst attending college, are told they cannot work for fear of spreading the virus. I'm just wondering, did any other parents highlight uh, this? Well, certainly not today. We didn't hear, hear it today. I have heard of at least one other business who did the very same thing, who said to their part-time workers who were heading back to college, who had worked with them throughout the summer and they normally work with them throughout the year and was clearly told, sorry, we can't take the risk if you're going back to college. We know there's going to be outbreaks in college and there has been outbreaks in and around college areas and they're protecting, obviously, their own business. So it's not the first and I don't think it's going to be the last. So we'll give it out to see. Have other businesses done that? In this particular case, it's a supermarket. But have you heard of other businesses who have said to college students, you can work part time as long as you're doing your college course from home. And a number of students are completely doing their college courses from home. But if you're in, on campus for any period of time, then sorry, you can't work with us. Your thoughts on that? 1850 uh, Colm in Bottevent, this is to do with when we've mentioned Christmas on the programme today. Normally we get it if we mention Christmas before Halloween, but I think this year people are getting organised, certainly people who never got organised earlier getting organised this year because of the year that we find ourselves in. Colm wants to take on post to hand and said, with Christmas coming up, on post are asking children to send a letter to Santa Claus. But in order to send the letter to Santa Claus with on post, Colm says you still have to put a stamp on the letter. He said that's very clever on on their behalf, charging a euro for every letter. On post, shouldn't need a stamp for the North Pole. <laughs> I think, as far as I know, that there and there has always been a, a, a charge. I think isn't it? Well, I mean, I think children. Some children will put them into the letterbox without a stamp on it. But I think the ones that arrive with a stamp, and I'm open to correction on this. Does it have to have a stamp or not? I think they get a letter back from Santa Claus, and I think that might come with a little bit of a cost for on post. If there's anybody with smallies in the house that have written to Santa through on post over the years, is there a reply back? I I'm, I'm think there is. I have a funny feeling there is. And I'm assuming that's that's the reason for the charge for the initial stamp at column. 1850 333103. Some of your 
texts into the uh, programme. Where are we going here? Oh, this is one that came in and we're looking into it and actually John Paul has confirmed it. We're not going to get to do something on it now, but we certainly will do something on it next week. Somebody says, Patricia, would you be able to highlight the youth centre in Formoy? They were promised €30,000 by way of a grant. Great sum of money for a little youth centre to get in a county town. Anyway, according to Dave, who doesn't want to go on air, that's OK, Dave, said there was a clerical er- error on the government website. And because of that, they're not getting the €30,000. Dave says, unbelievable, as this was a lot of money and the centre has had a lot of bad luck lately with a water pipe leak and thousands of damage. They should get something. OK, we're looking into that to see if we, we have had it clarified, but to see what's happening. Because if it's just a clerical er- error, can you not just amend the clerical er- error and give the guys and gals at the youth centre in Formoy the €30,000 grant that they, as Dave said, so badly needs. need. And I love, we're always quick, aren't we, to point out when somebody does something wrong. But isn't it always great when somebody points out when somebody has done something really good, particularly when it comes to a business. Listener says, I took my watch to Moore's Jewellers in Douglas Court to be repaired. They didn't have the missing piece and they went to great trouble to get the missing piece in order to fix my watch. I collected it yesterday when I said, how much does that be? Uh, what do I owe you? They said, no charge. <laughs> I was amazed. Isn't that great? Well done. Take a bow, everybody in Moore's Jewellers in Douglas Court. You certainly made one of your customers really, really happy. But you can see out of that, you'll get such great business back from that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you go back there again if there was anything wrong or you needed to buy a piece of jewellery? You'd go back to a shop like that, that you would remember that kindness and that generosity as well. As Well Well done to Moore's uh, Jewellers. On couriers not wearing masks, we meet our courier in our driveway, says this listener. Our dogs are our doorbell, so we know when the courier has arrived. We go out, we get the parcel from him, quick and easy. They don't tend to wear masks, says this texter, but they're not hanging around long enough. Hand over the parcel and they are gone. That's in reaction to the listener who was taken aback that they've noticed that the the couriers coming to her door are not wearing a masks. Oh, and I want to give this a mention for Kieran and indeed for all of the other tradespeople out there. Kieran and Kilbert says, Patricia, just for your listeners who may be concerned, I'm a tradesperson and under the new COVID-19 restriction, tradespeople are permitted to call to people's homes once they wear a mask and they adhere to social distancing. And uh, Kieran went to great lengths and even sent me on a link to explain it all. So don't be in any way worried if you are having somebody coming to your house and you think because you're not allowed to have anybody call today that you can't have them but but you you absolutely can. And Heidi says, Morning Patricia. Um, now that Leo, what Leo said yesterday about towels and cutleries being used by a visitor, surely no one would let visitors use a dirty unwashed cutlery or a dirty towel. Not in my house. Anyway, What next? And this is to do with when Leo was speaking yesterday about the household visits. And I don't know if it was Leo said it or was it was it Simon? I think it was Simon Harris, actually. No, Simon Harris was on about the tradespeople. It was it was Leo. Uh, Leo was asking about why they were banning visits to people's houses. And Leo Varadkar was explaining that they now know that there has been a lot of outbreaks and it's coming out of people's houses. It isn't necessarily all to do with student house parties. He said there's a lot more things happening. He said like there's greater volumes of people having say a family dinner at the weekend or maybe having a few friends over for a few drinks or if you've got children in the house inviting kids over for a play date and he said all of that has the potentially dangerous 
what is otherwise a normal social interaction but now it's become uh, potentially dangerous and the examples that he used was they're passing the virus by pressing the doorbell by sharing a spoon or by using the bathroom and leaving it on the towel. He said all these things have spread disease disease, and that's why they're doing what they're doing by stopping people going into the house. So I don't think he was saying, Heidi, that there would be, you'd have a dirty towel in the bathroom or that you'd have dirty cutlery. I think it would be, if you and I were having dinner together, Heidi, and I happened to be COVID-19 and didn't know about it, and then I go in and I use the bathroom and I very carefully wash my hands, I could end up putting some of the virus, if I don't wash my hands probably, properly probably I could end putting some of the virus on the towel and then you would go in and get it or if we were sharing a spoon you know you'd cook me a nice meal and we were sitting at the table and we were I was going to take some food from a bowl that's in the middle and I use the same spoon you know what I'm talking about that's that's what he's on about and there has been so many cases linked directly to households and it's not all house parties I know people have been blaming students for house parties not all of them are house parties, unfortunately. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And if you're in the Mallow area, you have an opportunity this weekend to help out the fantastic work of Cork Penny Dinners, who joined us. Katrina Toomey joined us on the programme this week. They're there's a collection for Cork Penny Dinners next Sunday from 11am in the morning until 1 o'clock. It's at Kylie's Car Sales in Mallow. Now, any donation of non-perishable foods, if you're doing some shopping, want to buy non-perishable food items, you can also bring along cash or if you want to hand in a, a cheque. And the Tom, Tom O'Regan from Mallow and Patrick Keane from Nistole, they've joined forces to fundraise for Muscular Dystrophy Ireland. Now, unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 restrictions, they've had to change their plan of completing the Six Mountain Peaks Challenge. But they found a solution and tomorrow Saturday they will complete a 100 kilometre cycle from their respective homes to Knock Boy, followed by a 770 metre climb to the mountain summit which straddles both counties. To help them fundraise for Muscular Dystrophy Ireland you can donate through the MDI Facebook page or they've got a GoFundMe page called Munster Peaks for MDI. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Okay, and John Paul joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, John Paul. Good afternoon. Okay, the local electoral area, the breakdown around the country, they've started doing this. It's the Department of Health, isn't it? They it do is. this now yeah. every Thursday. And uh, John Paul takes a look at it and we do the breakdown. Now, the last number of weeks that we've been doing this, it's been all around the city and very little around the county. Unfortunately, we can't say that today. Yeah, things have changed this week. This is going from the 29th of September to the 12th of October. And these are the confirmed cases, as you say, in the local electoral areas. And there is an increase compared to what we had last week. So we'll start with Bantry in the Bantry area. And this again takes in the likes of Castleton Bear, the Mizzen and Bear Peninsulas. And for the last number of weeks here in this region, there was less than five cases since we started doing this. There is now 21 in the Bantry area. Yeah, and again, that does take in Drumalee, Castletown Bear and those areas because I know there's a, people who keep ringing asking for certain areas. So yeah. when it says it's an electoral area, so we'll take in more than just the Bantry itself. So 21 here in this particular area. Moving to Skibbereen, 
And within Skibbereen, then, we have Dunmanway, Ross Carberry, Banalin, and the Clonakilty areas. Last week, there were six in this region. There's 33 uh, this week in the Bandon Kinsale area, taken in Timaleague, Kilbritton, uh, parts of Crossbarry here in Shannon, down as far as Balgooly, uh, parts of Newcastle and Banalin Special. There was 10 cases in this particular area of Cork last week. There is 52 confirmed wow. this week. So a big increase there. Carrigaline, uh, here we have Ballygarvan, Ring of Skiddy, uh, Myrtleville and the Crosshaven area and of course Carrigaline itself uh, last week had 22 cases uh, this week 61 in that area and we'll move into the city now and to the Cork City South East area uh, this is Ballincollig, Wilton, Curryheen and some areas of Toker, there was 69 here last week, there's 119 confirmed cases uh, this week in the city southwest ward, and now that's the ward that we were talking. Uh, is oh no, the city south central. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, this is the next one. Is city yeah, south central go. here? We're looking at Toker, Kinsale Road area, Turner's Cross area, Abandon Road area, College Road. Those type of areas in city south central. Uh, last week we had forty three cases. This week two hundred and nineteen confirmed cases in and, that area. And I was looking up there. You know when they do the incident per one hundred thousand mm-hmm. people yeah. for the Cork City. South Central, it stands at 566, which is three times the na- the, the the national average. It's just shocking in that area. Very high in, in that particular area of the city. Yeah. And then we go to the southeast of the city, and here you're looking at Rochestown, Mahan, Douglas, those areas. Last week, 34 cases, 99 confirmed cases now in that particular area. And then across the river to the likes of Mayfield, Tivoli, Montanashi, and Glanmire in the city north. Northeast, they had 50 last week and it's 126 confirmed cases in that area of the city this week and over then to the northwest of the city uh, here the likes of Holly Hill Sunday's Well, uh, Blarney and Nocknihini last week 33 cases, it's 103 confirmed cases in the northwest area of the city this time round and back onto the county again now and we'll go to McCroom and here in the McCroom local electoral area we are looking at the likes of Coachford Mill Street Crookstown Intragila Kilmurray Ballangiri and those areas last week 19 cases this week confirmed cases 38 in the McCroom area and to Canturk and here it's taken in Charnival Newmarket Jemina Tony Lease Bally Desmond uh, down as far as Kilcorny and Cullen again like Bantry for the last number of weeks they were less than five cases uh, that has increased now to confirm cases this time around in that area of 20 uh, for the Kenturk electoral area. And moving over to Mallow then, here we have the likes of Lumberstown, Drumahan, New Tupot House, Churchtown included in this, uh, Buin and Granan areas also in the Mallow, Mallow area. 16 cases here last week. Uh, that has increased by 4 to 20 confirmed Probably cases. Probably the smallest increase actually. The smallest of increase, of the areas, yeah, yeah. yeah, is the Mallow area, the smallest increase. Uh, then we'll go to Fermoy, and in the Fermoy area, we have the likes of Castle Lines, Connor, Rathcormor, Kilworth, Shambani Moore, and Donrell, and of course Mitchellstown here as well. 26 last week this week confirmed cases of 56 in the Fermoy area and to Cove where they had 30 last week 
Cove takes in Carrick Tool, by the way, Carrick Navarre, uh, Watergrass Hill areas. This week, there's confirmed cases of 48 in Cove. And then to Middleton, taking in the rest of East Cork, Ballycotton, Ladies Bridge, Yall, Ballymacoda, and of course, Middleton itself. Last week, they had 27 cases. The confirmed cases this week there are 56. So, an overall, a lot of, a big increase this time around in all areas of the city and county. Unreal. Unreal. You can see why the effort recommendation to move to level five. Yeah, and we'll find out <sighs> next week. At this yeah. stage, I would presume what they're going to do with that. Yeah, and, and can I also mention that those figures are up to the 12th, which is Monday. So they would include Monday's figures. They don't include Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or whatever it is today. And whatever today And Tuesday, we'll show, Wednesday yeah. and Thursday, we had very high figures in Cork. We there went was, over a yeah. thousand every day. Yeah. So you can be guaranteed those numbers will be even higher this time next week. Okay, uh, John Paul, thank you for that. Why don't you get back to the phones. John from Blackpool is on reacting to the other John who was pointing the finger at blame at Dr Tony Hulan and saying he's scaremongering with everything he's coming out with. John, this is the John in Blackpool says, I don't think that John lives on planet Earth. Dr Tony Hulan is telling us as it is. Wake up, John. And that's from John in uh, Blackpool. Thank you to Sinead who said, Patricia, I have a family member working for on post. And yes, you're absolutely correct. If you if the little ones put a stamp on their letters to the North Pole, they do receive a letter back from Santa Claus. And Sinead said it's well worth the euro to see the children's face. OK, that was for Colm and Bottom who was given out about on post uh, charging. Actually, just on, 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 on post and posting. Patricia, I'm wondering if jellies and sweets can be posted to Australia anymore. I sent a parcel to my daughter because you are now allowed since the end of September they're now accepting international post into Australia for months you couldn't post anything to Australia but you can now send packages now anyway the sister said I sent a parcel to my daughter with a few items of clothing but the sweets and the jellies were taken out now were taken out by the Australian end is that what if that's what it is it's always been the case that you can't bring or send food into Australia isn't it I know I've sent Tato crisps but you have to clearly put it on the outside what's in it. But I don't know about jellies and, and uh, sweets. They have very, very strict rules and regulations. If anyone's travelled to Australia or if you watch any of those programmes, nothing to declare the one that's based in Australia, you will know how strict they are. As an island, they are determined to keep themselves safe and that makes their quarantine restrictions and restrictions on what can come in the country very, very uh, strict. So I would check with on post to see and if anybody else regularly, well, if you had been regularly posting to Australia, jellies and sweets, why would they be removed from a uh, package? Hi, um, Anna then says, Patricia, quick query for you. Yesterday I was doing an essential visit to a relative in Donnerell. It was about half past three yesterday afternoon. There was a helicopter hovering very low over Donnerell. My relative was actually concerned with all of the activity. Does anybody know what that was about? Were you in Donnerell yesterday? About half past three, a low flying helicopter. If it was a low flying plane, I would have said it was that survey, you know, the survey that they, the geology survey that they regularly do, even though the guys and gals at the geology survey are great. They always let us know because we get so many calls in about this low flying, but that's a fixed wing plane and it's got survey. You can actually, it's so low, you can read the word survey on it. This is clearly, according to Anna, is a helicopter. If anybody knows why a helicopter was hovering low in Donnerell, uh, can you let us know? And Marie says, Patricia, I'm wondering if any of your listeners could help me out, please. Do they know where I can purchase a face mask with a vent? As I can't see out of my glasses because they are 
fogging up all the time when I wear a normal face mask. Now, poor old Marie says, I had a bad fall on Wednesday and now I'm laid up with my back. I'm actually in agony and I'm fed up with not being able to see when I go into a shop. If anybody knows where to get one in the city, I would be most grateful. Kind regards, Marie. And do I assume, Marie, you had a bad fall and you're laid up because your glasses were fogged up and you couldn't see where you were going? Goodness me. So where can Marie buy a face mask with a vent? I've often seen people going around with one has a little plastic vent on it and I'm assuming those vents stop glasses from fogging up. If anybody can help us, please. Ideally, Marie, Marie says anywhere in the city. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. OK, I heard earlier where Dave, one of our listeners, brought to our attention an issue to do with funding a grant that had been secured for Formoy Community Youth Centre. But it turns out it was a clerical error and they're, they're not getting the money. Kieran Barry is the manager and he joins me. Uh, good, good afternoon to you, Kieran. Good, good day, Patricia. Uh, How are you? you? I, uh, I'm very well. I'm very well. You're obviously not doing too well at the moment. You thought you had €30,000 in capital funding only to discover it was for somebody else. Correct. Yeah, that's the, that's the unfortunate situation. Um, how did it all start? Um, we were unaware of the awards, shall we say, initially. And how it came to our notice, Patricia, was that a young reporter with the Avenue Katie Levin uh, contacted me and um, asked me for a comment on it that they wished to run an article on it, you know? Yeah. And um, I said I knew nothing about it, which I didn't, because we hadn't received any notification from any group or any government department. And between us, we searched through it and we came up with um, on Minister O'Gorman's uh, website a grants approved for staff led youth projects and services and top of the list for Cork uh, was uh, for my youth centre awarded 30,000 by the ETB the Educational Training Board Happy days Happy days so we were elated needless to say um, because we've been, we've been down in a rock here at the moment between Covid and bus pipes and things in the centre you know and it has been a, it has been a mea of a year, really. But anyway, go back to the thirty thousand. Um, yeah, we uh, we were we were delighted because it meant that we had an injection into the funds and we could possibly get people back to work. You know, mm. so um, so I ran, I went on the paper trail then, and I tried contacting various people to see where this thirty thousand was because it hadn't gone into our account. And I went on for a number of weeks and. Um, I had spoken to people in the Minister of Garma's office in Dublin and they knew nothing about it. And then they came up and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we see that. Yeah, you've been awarded 30,000. And uh, I asked them to come back to me and no one ever came back to me. And it was only out of my own persistence after an email on the 30th of September to Minister Gorman asking what's, what's happening with the 30,000 and um, that it had gone out in public. And we were looking for it, basically and that we could do with it. And uh, to date, I haven't got a reply to that email, believe it or not. So I rang another day, and I got on to a lady there, a very helpful lady, and um, she delved into it, up in the minister's office, and she says, oh, that's awarded to another group in for my, and it was a clerical error. Oh. And I, of course, that's knocked the windows of me. 
And um, I asked her my liberty to find out, so she told me, who the other group was, that the money was allocated for a bus. And it was for already it. gone, drawn down, bus purchased, and, and, and the 30,000 gone for you. Yeah, and apparently, even though this grant is still open, it was up on the minister's website, Patricia. Yeah. Um, allocated to us, whereas it went to another group, and the other group now haven't announced it to the public, so it wouldn't be fair of me to... Yeah, to it's, it's, on that, it's up to them. To them. I'm delighted for them, you know. And is um, there, what about any of the local TDs? Can they do anything? I've, yeah, I've spoken to one or two, and I've had uh, they haven't come back to me as yet, you know. And I know they're concerned about it, you know, and um, TDs and councillors. And um, but we haven't had anything back other than my, my conversation with with a lady on the eighth of October. And uh, she told me that there was a clerical error and the only way they could do it was rectify the website. And I said to her, we've had a bus pipe here. And I said, the costs are running at 150000 There was extensive damage done to the building. And we did a GoFundMe page for um, looking for a little bomb from the locals because they're good to support us. Mm. And a lot of those people came back who said, look here, you've got 30000 of the government really, you're not doing too bad, you know. Which is so, fairly, which is pretty understandable. It's under, I understand it, and we we got a response to the GoFundMe page. I suppose we got eleven hundred euros out of it. Yeah, and uh, which is great. Every few bobbies helpful, and we're delighted. Uh, how that. much do you need? How much were the damage you reckon was done to the building? We have a hundred about one hundred and fifty thousand. Actually, this this morning there's a carpet going to our main carpets are going down here, and the amount of carpets the carpet supplier told me it would cover eleven houses. Have you? Did you have insurance? We have insurance, yeah, we're walking away with insurance to McCarthy Insurance is here for my... Great. They've been very good to us and uh, things are slow when it comes to insurance positions. But and have you been, as with all youth centres and community centres, mm. have you been totally locked down because of COVID-19? We are, yeah. We opened, <laughs> we, we closed in March and we we heard we were coming, we could come back then, that things were opening up. So in July we came in. And we refurbished the place top to bottom, all the staff here. Brilliant. We painted it top to bottom. We opened on the 8th of September. The night of the 8th of September, we had a burst pipe in the attic, which flooded the entire building. Ah, oh, Kieran. And wearing ceilings, LED lighting, the whole lot was ruined. And that's all been replaced now. And we did it ourselves because tradesmen are scarce. So we've great staff here. There's 17 working here on community employment, two and our own staff. And uh, we've done it all ourselves. And this morning, we're at the stage where the main campus is going down in the hall, you know. By and, God, uh, 2020 has been a tough year for you. Been a tough year, yeah, financially in every way, you know, and COVID didn't help us. But, it's, you know, it's just, it's like every business, we're not in it on our own, you know. This, uh, talking to businesses over town, like this, is very different. Mm. And um, we're 100% self finance. We don't get government funding or we get small grants now, you know. And um, speaking with Avenue Blackwater now yesterday, it's amazing just how the impact of this 30,000 because the comment was passed by one of the personnel basically that they could have thrown, thrown a few bob our way but for the fact that we got the 30,000. So we've lost out on opportunities. Yeah, you know? it's very unfair. It's very, very unfair. OK, listen, we'll we'll do a bit of investigation for you and just see, is there another, do you know if there's another tranche of funding or has all the funding been given out? Uh, I don't know. There's one. There seems to be money given out everywhere at the moment. <laughs> it was like confetti at at, at a wedding, certainly at during at the wedding, budget. Yeah. yeah, I'd love a little bit, a little bit of that confetti if we could get it. You know. Yeah, as you say, you're not you're not looking for much. 
30,000 will make a huge difference. It'll make an awful difference, you know. And um, look, we'll be back in business again and it's going to be slow. It's not going to be the same. A lot of our customers are elderly, but we're concentrating on young people at the moment, you know. And um, we'll take them all back by degrees, you know. And they need need support. They need need the support. Mm. We all need it, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing better than the sound of children running around the corridors to create the atmosphere, you know. It's fantastic. And it's fantastic. But, um, yeah, look, we're, we're in the heart of the town and um, we're in the heart of the community and we want to get back to where we were pre-COVID, you know, and get everyone back as far as we can and get them in safely, you know. OK, we'll do a bit yeah. of investigation for you and see if we can ex- find out anything more, Kieran. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, chin up and all of that and you're a great bunch you know, at the, at the yeah. youth centre. Keep flying the flag. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Thanks a million, Kieran Barry. That's a huge disappointment, isn't it? To be to, to think you're getting the thirty thousand, then to discover it's that clerical error, uh, really, really difficult. Uh, thank you, Candice, who says, Patricia, this is on the listener who wanted to send sweets and jellies out to her daughter in Australia. Sent them out, but when the package arrived, the sweets and jellies had been removed, and it wasn't a sweet toothed post person Candice says you can't send sweets to Australia why because they contain pork gelatine I had to leave them at the customs a few years ago yeah and as as I mentioned they are so so strict when it comes to customs in Australia for sure and to Marie who is looking for some kind of you know the face mask with the little sort of filter on the side or a vent on the side um, where did I see somebody's Going to building suppliers because certainly building suppliers would have them. They have that little vent. She said, any building supplier, you should be able to get one there. 1850-333-103. Listener says, I just bought one of those masks with the vents in Birmingham's gift gallery in Formoy, if that's of any use to Marie. And Janice says, hi, Centros, Centro style. I don't quite know what, where that shop is, but they do something called a no fog gel for glasses. And it really helps while wearing masks to stop the glasses actually fogging up. Okay, so a couple of suggestions there, but lots of other people saying that the mask with the vents, certainly any building supplier would have it because they are the type of mask that builders wear. Okay, that's where we got to wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking all of your calls. We are back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock for another week of Cork Today. We hope that you'll, you'll join us. And the, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and until Monday morning at 10 o'clock I'm Patricia Messenger. Take care of yourself. Look out for each other. And more than anything, just stay safe. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.